Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford. Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. I am your host, Andy Ford, coming from uh, live uh, today from Brado Creative Insight HQ in beautiful downtown St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, and I say live, uh, maybe you're listening to this live, but uh, there's also a really good chance you're listening to this at 10 p.m. on a commute somewhere. And in that case, it's not live. However, we are available, whether that's live or if you'd like to hit us up later, uh, at andy.ford at brado.net. Feel free to send me an email. We ask questions throughout the show. You can also find me on Twitter at aford. I'm always willing to engage and talk to people on that platform. It's, it's really, really fun. Uh, and, and by the way, Twitter, it's not just for sitting on the toilet anymore. Remember that. Uh, my guest today is someone who I've been looking forward uh, to interviewing all season. I mean, th th this entire uh, set of shows, uh, the minute we got asked to host this, I thought of one person, and I really wanted her to be a part of this. Her name is Rose Cameron. Uh, Rose is a cultural anthropologist, and she's a global brand strategist and also a chronic puzzle solver. Uh, solver. She's got 25 years of experience in innovation, facilitation, and creation. She's worked on brands like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Nintendo, IBM, Microsoft, those are just some of the brands she's worked on rejuvenating on a global scale uh, while working at some of the top agencies in the world, uh, Ogilvy, Y&R, Day, Leo, Havas, to name a few. Rose moved to Pennsylvania almost three years ago when she realized she wanted her legacy to be bigger than the latest ad campaign. Her focus then became honing the most effective innovation skills and techniques so that she could help others tap into their latent creativity to to really improve the world. Her time is now spent traveling the world about 200 days a year, working with corporate clients as well as governments, school districts. She's really trying to understand how to best serve evolving needs of their users. Uh, Rose is a frequent speaker. Uh, she talks about millennials, centennials, uh, men. One of the things I want to talk about with Rose is how well she knows men. She's actually been given credit for knowing men better than they know themselves, which I think is probably a pretty dubious honor. And, and frankly, I'm sorry for that. Welcome to the show, Rose. Thanks so much, Andy. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, where in the world are you today? Well, I'm I'm in a rather uh, bucolic, pastorally beautiful place. I'm in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm at home. You caught me at oh, home. Nice, nice. It's you know, Rose. When you and I first met, and I. I'm guessing now that it's been at least a – I think it's maybe been a decade or so. Uh -huh. You were working at an agency, I believe, in Chicago, and one of the things I remember about you is a magazine article where you are giving credit for knowing men better than they know themselves. Am, am I misrepresenting that? <laughs> it's amazing what authors will say to sell an article, but yes, <laughs> yes, they did say that. And Now, that was – 
that was for a campaign that you worked on, and I think it was for was it not for a a beer brand that it was one of the campaigns that really you know sort of dialed in that conversation around guys. It, it was interesting. Um, what it all started from was uh, Leo Burnett had done a major piece of research around women for Cannes. And they said, we want to do a companion piece for this. Uh, we want it to be about men and how men approach marketing. And so I said, okay, I'll work on that. And we took the research to something like 14 plus countries around the world. We were doing uh, discussion groups in uh, hookah bars in Saudi Arabia and talking to Russians about bashing women's brains. And I mean, we had some very interesting conversations. Um, and all for this presentation at Cannes to talk about how men were changing. And so it was a really significant piece of research. And ironically, I keep stumbling upon new pieces of research where they're like, woohoo, we discovered this about men. And I'm like, yeah, we discovered that in 2005. <laughs> so um, in part, I think it was dumb luck on my part that I was able to research it when it was on the up curve. Now that it's at maturation, I see a lot of affirmations of what we learned, and, and it's fulfilling. It, quite frankly, is quite fulfilling to see that the work that we did was spot on and to see a lot of the, the things that we talked about, like uh, fathers uh, as true co-parents uh, being the majority of men out there, uh, retrosexuals, this, this group that is the opposite of metrosexuals reacting against women coming to the fore in communities. We're seeing that there with um, the Me Too movement. It's fascinating. So, yeah, that's that's the piece of research you were talking about. And it wasn't connected to any marketing originally, but oh, has really? fed into so much over the years. That's interesting to me is that you've really been somebody who I think, in my estimation, has been an innovator in whatever field you've been in. I mean, you know, that piece of research, not with, I mean, as, as a part of that, is on the forefront. I'm curious, your personal definition of innovation, you know, not to put a fine upon on it, but when you think about it, what kind of, you know, phrase comes to mind when you think about innovation? When I think about innovation, I think about fundamentally change. And um, I don't think about reinvention or invention, which is not innovation. Okay, it's it's the top part of one of the spectrums of it. Um, but when I think about innovation, I think it is about change for the better. And I'll keep it as simple as that, change for the better, whether that better is an improvement on a product, on a culture, on a process, or, you know, whether it is actually major change like the introduction of a new product. Uh, it's all about change and how people deal with change and accommodate it. And you can either react negatively to change, which a lot of people do. People fundamentally don't like change. Okay. Mm -hmm. They fundamentally do not like it. They say they like it, but they don't. Yeah. Um, so it is actually, you know, change for the better dot, 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 wherever that is. And it can be incremental or it can be large, but it is essentially change for the better. It's interesting, Rose, you know, when I, I think about is I was reading your bio and really, you know, doing a little research, looking at, you know, articles about you or thinking about the impact you've had across a number of organizations. And I won't even mention the brands that you've worked on, but 
you talk about people fundamentally you know, reject or are less likely to want change. Your estimation, working across organizations, what's the best way to describe or help people adjust to change? Do you, have you found techniques or, or methodologies that have helped you bring that kind of change that's necessary to make things better? Absolutely. Um, it has to do with ownership. Mm. And uh, I'll give you an example from a group that you and I know um, where a chap came into the group and his job was to reinvigorate them and their creative spirit. And the first thing that he did was completely redesign their working environment. Now, he didn't involve them in that discussion. Uh, he felt the onus was on himself to make this improvement, so he really didn't feel that he could ask others for their opinion because he's just new into the organization. He has to prove what a genius he is. Um, so he redesigned the whole environment, uh, including how people were going to work, how it looked, etc. None of them were invited on board. When they started executing that, uh, it was like watching a cat. Have you ever had cats, Andy? Yeah, I have not. I've not had cats. But okay. But, I, but hey, how about Any, this? I'll qualify it by I watch a lot of them on, on the internet. How's that? Oh, oh, there you go. As do many. So if you really want to do a cat's head in, you move its litter tray, right? Move it to a place that it doesn't know that it's at, and you will watch that cat go mental. <laughs> and that's what it was like watching the employees of this company as all of this stuff was changing around them. They had no control over it. It was very interesting. The senior people were so uncomfortable with, with the change. They stayed to their floor. So nobody came down into this floor that was being completely redesigned. So you had all these people who were essentially very discombobulated. And like any cat that's had its kitty tray moved, they just went and shot in corners, right? <laughs> So, you know, all of them are discombobulated. They're shitting in corners. They're talking about how horrible this is, what a horrible experience. None of the senior people are coming down. It was a nightmare because I was the only person sitting on that floor that was part of senior management, right? So everyone was flooding into my doors saying, you know, what do we do about this change? We hate it, da, 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 da. That is the worst way to deal with change. Oh, yeah. Taking the control out of the hands of people, giving them no sense over their role in it, to create real change, what you have to do is you have to bring in your constituencies, not push them out. You need to understand what their limits are and then actually stop them thinking about it by getting them to act upon it. So instead of saying, I'm going to act upon you, you're going to have a newly designed environment around you, you're going to like it, and you're going to be cool, damn it. <laughs> what we do is we say, okay, let's, let's talk to your consumers. Let's see what they really want. Let's take this out of a power play within the corporation here, and let's just open the door to your consumers and hear what they really have to say. And that very few companies do. Interestingly enough, they may monitor things socially, they may do all this other stuff, but they may not go out and actually interact with their customers. So we open them up to the customers and we say, you don't need to talk in these sessions, just listen to them, look at them, experience them. And they'll see, wow, I, I, my customers changed or they're the same or, wow, isn't that interesting? Their, their uh, issues aren't anything that I hypothesized. 
And from that, we then take that information back and we say, okay, we're here to facilitate the right environment for you to create solutions and innovations. But it really is, at the end of the day, down to all of you, all of you who are part of this company, you have to do it. And then we have them ideate and we give them the right people and tools to bring it to life, to understand it more fully. And then we get them to execute it in a very, very short time frame. Because one of the most important things about innovation is it's fleeting. If people, it's so painful for some people, if they don't see an immediate result, they're like, oh, kill it. It didn't work. Kill it. And my objective is very often, okay, once we're past that really cool part of the beginning of the process, how do we keep the momentum going? How do we keep the ownership going by the employees themselves so that we can get these pilots out there that can prove to people that innovation is palatable and workable within this organization? That's that's fascinating, and, Rose. When you talk about when you talk about innovation, and 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 I'm hearing you say you got to create this pilot because, and I love this innovation is fleeting, and if you create this pilot, then it gives a chance for your internal team to own it and take it forward. Correct. That's interesting to me. Is it? We're talking with Rose Cameron, and uh, Rose uh, has been an innovator uh, working across major brands and with some really big advertising agencies uh, for the last 25 years. Uh, Rose now works uh, with those same brands, but also with uh, higher education and educational uh, communities, trying to bring innovation and truly helping them translate the change that is occurring into action. Uh, We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Rose uh, about her experience and her career and and really understanding the consumer's experience. I'm already getting emails and notes, uh, so stick with us. When we come back, we're going to spend a little more time talking with Rose Cameron. We'll be right back after these messages. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O dot The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. 
Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit Brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O.net. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. I'm your host, Andy Ford, I'm talking uh, with the lovely Rose Cameron. Um, Rose, as we went to break, uh, we were talking about uh, innovation. Uh, and really bringing change in a palatable way uh, through an organization and then having – and I think the word you used uh, was sustainable, uh, but bringing uh, this fleeting feeling of innovation into a pilot and letting the team uh, own it and move forward. And we got an email. A question came in. It says, how does the size of the company impact your ability to bring all the different groups together? That's a great question and uh, took some serious cojones for that person to ask. Um, It depends not only on the complexity of the organization, the size of the organization, but uh, also its age and the characteristics of the people uh, at the top. So, Mm -hmm. for example, I work with the Pennsylvanian government, uh, pretty big. Uh, pretty big silos. I also work with school districts, which are relatively flat, but highly political. Mm. Um, And so if you don't have a critical leader who's well-connected, it's never going to go anywhere, right? So I think ignore the the, the size. And what you have to do is say, who do we need to get the job done? Don't get intimidated by the sheer size and institutional structure. Just say, who do we need to get this done? And let's not think about how difficult that's going to be. And then you find the open-minded people in those departments that you need to pull together in these ideation sessions. Because the most important thing is getting the right people at the right time in the process, working together with mutual ownership. Uh, so that you have people from all of the different departments that are critical to this change. And I will stress, not a single person can create change on Mm. their own. 
that are figureheads that we all look to like Steve Jobs and go, oh my God, he created all this change. No, he didn't. He sat there and he had a lot of really great people underneath him and he kept their momentum going, right? Mm. And gave Mm. them clearance to do that. But Steve Jobs on his tour did not do that. Mm. That's great point. You know, uh, you need all of these people from operations through to customer care, through to tech, uh, through to tech services, which is I work a lot with tech service people, um, to really come together, own it, make it, and push it out because then they can own the success together, and that's what's going to cement it. That whole process of the pain of birth, the pain of inception and birth, and then the celebration of success afterwards is what pulls people together. And you get a different dynamic happening in your organization, no matter the size. Where the size will come into play as problematic is when you're selling these ideas in, when you're trying to move it forward. If they're a company of a lot of gate reviews, that can start slowing down your momentum. So one of the things you first have to do when you're doing innovation is say, hey, let's have a relook at our gate reviews and how we're going to make those a bit more discreet for these pilots so that we can get through them faster, so there's not this onerous process. Um, And then how do we bring, once we've succeeded with these pilots, how do we bring that to the entire organization and then invite them to come on board? Because there's always going to be that small percentile who's willing to step over the cliff with the hope that there's a ledge directly beneath them to catch them. And there are a lot of other people who will wait to see if they smash their brains out. Right. (laughs) That's a job description of an innovator if I've ever heard one. That's realistic. You do need someone who's willing to go. But to to echo what you've said, it sounds like the willingness to go it alone is – it will not ensure success. The the entire organization needs to go through – and I love the way you put this – the pain and the celebration of inception and childbirth. Let me ask you this, Rose. I mean, we've talked about the size of organizations, and I know you've worked across many, and and my gosh, you just, I mean, even saying, you know, the Pennsylvania government makes me feel slow. I know that's huge. But not only do you have these sizes of organizations, you also have multi-generations that you need to understand their experience and how you can, you know, put these teams in touch with them. Do you find the difference between these generations to be I don't know, the need for different views or approaches to innovation as well? Yeah, um, I think that one of the most important things that you have to do when you're, you're bringing these teams together is to recognize and respect them as individuals. So I have one client who is all of 25, 26 years old. And she has, through the attrition of all of her senior people, now ended up as a lead on a major project. And she's sitting there and she's going, who in their right mind thought it was okay for me to be the lead on this project, right? (laughs) And, I mean, she is the sweetest individual in the world, and she just wants to learn. And I say to her, your receptivity to learn, your attention to detail, and your commitment to this project are why you're in this role. And I will be here as your support to make sure that this stuff does not drop. But you are critical. And I think that that is important to 
everyone, irrespective of their age or their experience. If they have the spirit, if they have the cojones to get out there and actually do this work to save these companies. And I'm, I don't think I'm overstating myself when I say if you look at how uh, the, the Fortune 100 has changed over the past 10 to 20 years, I'm not joking when I'm saying fundamentally change these companies so they can survive. I look at the old guard as the people who got it this far and who have a lot of uh, their own personal identification tied to the company and the way it works. So it's very difficult sometimes for them to change. But they may be so chafed by the restrictions that have been brought on by technology and new systems that they're like, why the hell are we doing it this way when we just met person to person? It works so much better, right? And then on the other end of that spectrum, we have millennials coming up going, as their whole generation has, we want to create change, we want to create change. With them, it's like, okay, how do we best harness this amazing energy so that you work with these people who actually have the experience and you come together and you make something that actually works? And when you give them mutual respect like that and you put them in the room as peers together and and get them to work together, they start respecting each other. And that makes a fundamental change because millennials at their core, I think any young adult at their core really just wants people to respect them and listen to what they have to say, right? Um, It's that simple, boys and girls. Sorry, I could make it more complicated, but it's not. Um, And when, when you can bring them together in mutual respect and get them to work on a project together and get them to understand that all of their skills are needed, whether it's this incredible energy or this incredible experience, that's when they start coming together. It's yeah. not, oh, you need a mobile app for this group and you need to have a paper and pencil available for this group. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Rose. You bring up a great point about those teams internally, that uh, stakeholders that you work with and the different generations working together and finding a mutual respect. Uh, my question to you on top of that is when you have to take your client and introduce them to whether it's you know, their customer or an emerging customer – are there differences, you know, not only internally, obviously, with the teams and the generations, but when you start looking at millennials uh, and the generation that comes after millennials, what do you call that generation? I, I actually, I because I'm such a big zombie apocalypse reader, I, yeah. I don't go to Generation Z. It just scares me. It fundamentally scares me. <laughs> so um, I call them centennials. centennials. That's, uh, that's the next generation coming up. Now, tell me about, I mean, knowing that you've worked in education and understanding uh, how that generation is is probably, and I'm guessing here, different. I mean, every generation is slightly different. When you start looking at explaining that customer or trying to introduce your clients to those customers, uh, what helps them really translate or understanding what's motivating to the centennials? I think it's really important to get people to internalize information. Um, You know, just having big reports and all of that, it's not good enough because you can read the theory, but you don't understand it. So 
um, it's extraordinarily important to get them in front of these people, observing them in more kind of real-life situations. I'm fundamentally sorry, everybody, do not believe in focus groups. I'm an anthropologist. I like going into people's space and being nosy. Um, <laughs> so I think full-on exposure of them to their customers in a non-constructed environment is very, very important. Uh, I also think tapping into their lives. I mean, it's not like we have these bifurcated lives where you're one person, Andy, at work and you're another person at home with the kids. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that I often ask them is, you know, how many of you have children who do this? How many of you have children who do that? And they suddenly start making the connections, right? So, you know, I'll ask a room full of people, how many of you have a little girl right now whose best friend is a little boy? Or how many of you have a kid who uh, invited a boy to the dance versus the boy inviting the girl to the dance? So they start seeing some of these connections. Um, and I'll give you an example of a millennial I spoke to recently about a centennial. So I was talking with her, and luckily she has a centennial for her sister. And I said, one of the things that I'm really interested in right now is watching people's addiction to smartphones and how it's shifting our complete worlds. And one of the things that I've watched in my own home is how we have abandoned our television sets and we walk around watching, listening to podcasts, watching television, etc. on our smartphones and how it's fundamentally affecting the dynamic of our family. Mm. And how I've told my husband, I said, you know, you're going to become a hunchback if you keep watching that thing. Um. I was talking to her about this and I said, you know, it, it makes, it, it fascinates me on how the environments of the centennials are going to change. I said, I doubt whether or not they even have televisions in their dorm room. And she stopped and she went, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you're right. So I invited her into the discussion. She came up with the discovery. She was the one who said, my sister, when I went into her dorm room, I realized she doesn't have a television. Her entire entertainment system is her phone. Mm. Mm. We're talking. Um, we got to go to break real quick. I want to say this before we come back, though, um, from break. You you bring a cue that is just. I really want to talk about in your understanding is, you know, the shifts in fundamental, not just the generations, but how our behavior in the marketplace is shifting or moving some of those things. I want to talk about technology and, and the role you see that playing in, you know, to your point, the changing family dynamic even. Uh, we're having a fascinating mm -hmm. conversation with Rose Cameron. Uh, you're listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. We'll be right back uh, after this short break. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. 
At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O dot We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net again that's b-r-a-d-o.net now back to the show welcome back to innovation insiders uh, i am andy ford once again you can hit me up at andy.ford at brado.net receive some great questions so far this interview for rose uh, or you can follow me on twitter contact us there at a ford or the company brado insight on Twitter as well. Uh, Rose, as we were going to break, we were talking about uh, Centennials and really the, the great narrative you were telling there is your client, which I think is a, another really key element of this interview, is the sense of discovery that you are trying to enable for your clients is key. Uh, but one of the things you said that is, it was a cue for me that I, I want to come back to is uh, you talked about the fundamental changing dynamic of your family based on this entertainment source that we were talking about that used to be the television and now it's your screen uh, how are some of those shifts in technology and entertainment how do you see those impacting the marketplace well one of the things that that is interesting to me purely because i despise the spaces i'm sorry i get overstimulated but sports bars okay you walk in and suddenly you have all of these massive screens you know uh, assaulting you. That's how I feel. You know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who that's their homey wee environment. It's not mine. And uh, one of the discussions that, that we've been having with companies like that is, you know, when so much of the conversation is around the phones and the functionality is around the phones, are all of these big screens really needed? You know, what is going to truly feed that person's need for 
joining in in a public spectacle of celebration and anxiety and excitement, what do they need? Do they need all these screens? Are they going to be normalized to all these screens? Or are these screens better used for different purposes? Maybe purposes right. where I'm interacting directly with them through gaming um, or allowing people to, you know, take up the room with their gaming expertise, which we now know people actually watch like television, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's it's really interesting. I had another one, which was with a university where they were saying we're having a real problem with the millennials. We have staffing our comments. Uh, they just spend all of their time on their phones. And I said, so what are you telling them to do? And they said, get off your phone. And I said, uh, do you have a check-in app? And they huh. said, yeah. I said, okay, what you need to do is you need to put the check-in app on their phones. Mm. And I said, then you need to change your procedure. They're not sitting behind that desk. These are young people. They're not meant to sit behind desks. Get them walking the halls. Get them checking. Give them all these different jobs to do. And make them more of floating check-in hosts with their phones. So I said, then at least if their phones are out, you don't know whether or not, uh, it, you know, they're they're texting or whatever. They could be working. So get off their cases. Yeah. You're not going to change their behavior, <laughs> and they're going to leave. You, right? You bring you bring up a huge. This is something that I just want to. I had to tell you this because I was having a conversation with a client and speaking about things changing and, and, and I don't know her incredibly well and I wouldn't even say the company she's with, but she told me about traveling to um, Austin, Texas. And she, when she lands in a city, she, in her words, tenderizes that city. And to me, it was like, you know, you know exactly what I mean by that. It blew my mind. I mean, when I land in a city, I'll check Twitter. I'll see what's happening. Her methodology is let's see who's here on Tinder, and I'll see if I can make a personal connect a connection. That is a wildly different behavior. Well, not only would a married man of three not do that, but still, as a generation, I feel like that's a completely different adaptation that's just occurring in the wild. How do you help companies see that kind of adaptation? I mean, is it putting them in direct contact so they can experience it with their consumer? Yeah, absolutely. People aren't going to believe something that's theoretical. I mean, how many of us have worked our tuchuses off writing these massive decks that essentially became doorstops? Yeah, right. You know, I don't want to do that with my life. I don't want to spend my life doing these beautiful customer journeys that are never used. I'd much rather get in the trenches with my my consumers and, and bring my clients into those trenches and say, look, just look, observe. You don't even have to think right now. I advise you not to think right now. Just watch and hone their observational skills because it's, it's so critically important. I'll give you an example associated to that um, that housing situation. Same situation, I turned to the head of housing and I said, how many special needs kids do you have working for you? And they said, oh, about X number. And I said, how's that experience for you versus these millennials you're hiring? Oh, they're the most amazing staff. Oh my God, they're so sweet and they love their jobs and they come in every day. And I said, well, 
are you do you have a partnership with the school district so that you can take the special needs kids from the school district and have them working they're looking for job placement for these kids and meaningful roles for these kids have you looked at that and they said no we hadn't we now in state college have that where uh, the special needs kids from the local school district have jobs at the university working in the mailroom, working in housing commons, and they're the best employees that they've ever experienced. Hmm. So, you know, open your eyes and see what you have. Don't just say, oh, I've got to get these millennials, and if I don't have them, you know, life will end. No, (laughs) who's really enjoying the job? Who's doing the job properly and passionate? It doesn't matter if they've got Down syndrome or autism or Asperger's. That's what you need to be looking at. Interesting. It's funny to me is when you talk about, and, and I think you and I, first of all, I, I know I, one of the reasons that I think we get along, Rose, is a um, maybe it's because you just have the most lovely accent of anyone we <laughs> have a chance to talk to, and and being a Southern uh, gentleman such as myself, I'm fascinated with lovely accents. But I think more important, and this is to to be serious for just a second, is that you fundamentally believe that. People will show you what they what their behavior is. If you're careful enough to watch, then you'll really learn what they're all about. Am I wrong there? You are so right, and thank you for recognizing that, Andy. And I've always considered it one of my better character traits. I've had some people turn it to boiling the ocean. Oh, Rose, you're just boiling the ocean. And I'm not. I'm making the assumption that just because a person comes to me with what they think is their issue does not mean that it is necessarily the right issue to be addressing for that problem. Hmm. And that is tough for some people because they've worked it through and they've rationalized it and they think, okay, it's this and I'm owning this and we're going to solve this. And it's very, that's the challenge. The challenge is moving the mindset of people who have already decided they know the answer mm. Mm. and saying to them, okay, we'll take that as one of the key hypotheses. I respect the work you've put behind this. We'll keep that as one of the key hypotheses. Now, let's put it in the real environment and see whether or not it swims. Mm. You, you, you rose Rather than I wanna, I wanna using the this. research to validate it. You know? Yeah, because you, you said – um, uh, the, the word you used in our first segment um, was a pilot, and now you just talked about let's put it in the real-world environment. It sounds to me and, – and, and what you're talking about is if you have a theory on how something is going to operate, you need to find a way to actually watch or, or let your customer experience it. Is that, is that what you're telling me? Oh, Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just all sitting around the table. Oh, I'm going to be a little rude for two seconds. You're all sitting around the table wanking off together, okay? <laughs> and that's not what it's about. It's about putting it in field and seeing what works versus people's individual egos. Mm. That's a huge. That's a huge deal, isn't it? The ability to uh, acquiesce or let go of your ego, and maybe not have the answer. Uh, it's it's a critical it's a critical moment for a lot of people, isn't it? It's called maturity, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's realizing 
that you aren't the center of the universe. And that's very hard for people whose equity is tied into that. Um, and, you know, the reality is and when you're invited in very often by clients to be the expert or to uh, be the person who's going to save them, they're the only ones who can save themselves. You see this in, in situations like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous where they're saying, you know, family, no matter how much you love this person, they have got to help themselves. And so when I approach new clients, I'm very often coming in as that support role where I'm the buffer from the stimuli that may be coming in and, and halting their progress. I'm giving them the right frameworks and pulling together the right kind of people for them to find those solutions. I'm connecting them to the right customers. And I may drop in some ideas as we go along, but I am not, I'm not a deity. I'm mm -hmm. a human being that can actually help other human beings work together in advance. Mm, that's that's critical, isn't it? I mean, taking yourself and, – and I, I can understand this, but as a consultant, I mean, Brado Creative Insight, obviously that's what we do. You and I know this. Mm -hmm. I've had conversations. You've done this, but you've been a consultant whether you were internal or external your whole career. Uh, and that's my yeah. estimation is that you try to have this outside perspective that can then say, where can we find alignment? And, and by the way, let me introduce you to who we're trying to talk to or who we're trying to understand. Uh, so being able to, I don't know, to use your words, uh, undeify yourself is critical, right? I mean, that's one of those things that you just have to be able to do. Um, uh, you know, Rose, we've had a couple of questions come in and, um, it, couple of them I want to get to and what we'll end up doing is is to have some follow-up questions uh, so many questions for Rose actually have come in that that I'll be we'll put those in a link you know we'll drop those on Twitter a little bit later but some of those questions are what are you reading what are you watching how do you stay fresh <laughs> keep your finger on the pulse uh, some of my staff have said they're quitting and are you hiring and I refuse to allow that to happen so we're talking we're talking with Rose Cameron uh, when we come back Rose it's our final segment but it's maybe my favorite segment it's called the innovators confession we are going to hit you with these rapid uh, fire questions and uh, get your response you're listening to uh, innovation insiders with Brado creative insight and we'll be right back with the innovators confession and Rose Cameron right after these messages business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. 
At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insights, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net again that's b-r-a-d-o.net now back to the show welcome back to innovation insiders Uh, we are talking with rose cameron rose this is our innovators confession and so the very first question we have in that is surprise me tell me about the innovation that might catch us all off guard in the next five years okay the innovation that's going to catch you all off guard you're going to love this one Right. I, um, I asked some uh, person recently in a piece of research, what is the future of customer service? Ooh. And he, yeah. And he turned to me and he said the following words, and I want everyone to internalize it. Common courtesy. I like that. Yeah. And we're all so busy moving everything to tech that we're forgetting about the humans in the mix. And I think that is the thing that people are going to drop and it's going to become the differentiator is how do you maintain common courtesy when everybody's trying to take humans out of the mix? Oh, that's great. That's great. Let me ask you this as a follow-up to that is that common courtesy doesn't have to be devoid of tech, does it? But it's somehow – making it more personable, I, I, I assume, or real, tangible? Is that, is, is that part of that, you think? Absolutely. And it's, it's actually caring enough to get off your duff and do something and not saying that this system does, has disempowered me to a point where the system overrides the needs of the human beings. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that more and more and more and more. 
And so it's like, where do you build into the system the note that says humans have the higher priority than the system? It's building a smarter – it, it sounds like it's not just AI. It's, it's got to be real. It's got to be able to have the human touch, the human element. That's going to be the massive di- uh, differentiator uh, for all of us. Okay, three yeah. words here I want you to think about, Rose. What are the top three words to describe an innovative individual? Hmm. This is easy. Good. The first word, and it's, it's my number one word, is open. Once had a woman say, you never age if you stay open. So open, number one. Number two, passionate. You have to have the energy to keep running even when they've got billy clubs and they're about to beat your heads in, right? <laughs> You've got to keep going. So passion. And the last piece, uh, the, the third one, was um, a desire to work with others. So people call it collaboration. I think that's one of the coldest, ugliest words ever. It really, it's just bleh. Uh, but it really is about having this desire to come to solutions with others. Mm. Because individuals are not going to save the world. Mm. Right. That's it. Did you, so that, you know what? That makes total sense to me. And it kind of – there's a question we have down here that I might need to rethink, and I'm going to ask you in, in, in advance is if you could pick one person to be named master of innovation, who would it be? And before you answer that, is that the wrong question to ask? Absolutely the wrong bloody question to ask. <laughs> I'm going to strike. Sorry, who, whoever sent that in, I'm really sorry. I, I love <laughs> you still, but you know, it's the wrong bloody question. Then the question is, then the question is, who other than other than the company you represent, which I know you, you know, can work with a lot of people, a lot of different brands, but other than you and helping people be innovative, who is the most innovative company in the world today? Or should Ooh. I say organization? I should I shouldn't limit it to just a company. No, and and I won't let you limit it to a company because I'm I'm really looking all the way across it. Um, I would say one of the most innovative in the world right now is, uh, in a truly holistic sense, is a company by the name of Alibaba. Oh, I'm not. That's a that's a good answer that I've not heard. Tell me tell me why. Um, I think Alibaba, uh, for the Americans and the Westerners especially, uh, it's the equivalent of Amazon over in in China, Uh, they have figured out things beyond what even Amazon has figured out. And they're going all the way to the production level of the development of products so that if you can imagine uh, you buy something on the marketplace of Alibaba and it may be from a company that's so small that they can't create warehouses of their work, right? They're an extremely small company. So, But when that order comes in, Alibaba now has the ability to build that product bespoke to your needs on mm-hmm. a ship as it's coming to the United States so that when it lands, it will then make it to your home and be completely to your specifications by the time it gets there in pretty much a similar time as what you would have bought in the United States. My God. 
I can't. Can, you, can, I mean, that's that's not only does that in, is that innovative. That's that's game change. That's a game change kind of idea. Um, yeah. And I'm going to transition right over to this. This is something that I have no doubt. First of all, you and I have had several of these moments. I've, I've experienced a few. You've experienced some, I know. But but one of the things we like to believe is that innovators are just notorious shit disturbers. And we're in those moments when things change and they, you know that the next day is never going to be the same. Things have moved. Over your career, can you think of a moment when you just had one of those or witnessed an idyllic shit disturber moment? Oh yeah, it's one of one of my my favorite ones, and the purity of it was so intense that I was shaking. I all the hairs were up on, on my arm, and when you have visceral reactions like that, it means something. And it was when I saw a student who was in the seventh grade, a seventh eighth grade, turn to the head of a school district who had invited them to ideate around how they should redesign a school district. We brought in all these kids from uh, a school district, Southern Tioga. Um, Sam Rotella is the superintendent and somebody I respect so much. And she turned and she said, I don't want more technology. I don't want um, all of these tech bells and whistles. I just want to be able to connect with my school teacher and have somebody who cares about me. And I and they won't even let me be friends with them on Facebook. Ooh, and that's that's, all, that's reality. Yeah, yeah. And and you've got all these people shoving Chrome down their throat, shoving technology, and oh, they want a mobile app, and we need it. And the kid is going, no, no, no. I just want an adult who can mentor me. Could you please just focus on that? <laughs> that had to be good. That had to feel like eye opening, right? Well, and good on so many different sides. So the teachers who went into the business of teaching because they cared about kids and they want to have that kind of impact were sitting there with their jaws hanging open. All the other kids are in the room going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, it all of a sudden, it gave permission. You don't need that super app. You don't need to invest that crazy kind of money. What you need to do is make sure that with the community to an agreement about the type of relationship that these teaching professionals can have with the kids. Mm. You know, Rose, it's hard for me to put uh, a pin in this interview because uh, there's been a lot to consume. And and honestly, I could, you know, probably spend another hour talking to you and we probably wouldn't scratch the surface. Um, My my guest in this uh, great show that we've had today uh, is Rose Cameron. Um, Rose uh, has been an innovator uh, for, you know, over two decades working with major brands. And I think, you know, Rose, what you've done for us today is bring a lot of reality uh, to uh, what can be a fairly complicated topic. Uh, But then you did that uh, by bringing up the humanity and the fact that we can need to be in touch with people. That's going to be the major game change is is a a real emotional connection. Uh, Rose, thank you for being a part of our uh, seminal season uh, here on Innovation Insiders. Uh, I trust uh, that after this show, Rose and I will have a, a chance to talk and we'll find out some of those uh, key questions that people have asked about, about what she's reading, what she's watching, what she's looking at, and I'll make sure that I float that out with her interview. Rose, thank you for being a part of the show. And can I say one thing, Andy? Please. 
I just want everyone listening to this to know Andy Ford is probably one of the nicest, smartest, best people in the industry. And Uh, he has not asked me to say that. I've known Andy now for years. This is a solid human being, and I recommend him Uh, 200%. So thanks for having me on board, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Join us next week for Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. And until then, I hope you guys keep innovating. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Grotto Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, innovate.